And I says, well, my name is Steve A. Holt, and I'm a Baptist missionary, and I'm here to see if you guys want a Baptist church in this village. And she was on crutches, and she began to weep. And her weeping, I says, why are you weeping? And she says, I've been praying for 17 years that God would send a Baptist missionary to our village to start a Baptist church. And you're an answer to my prayer. For 2,000 years, Christ has been extending his kingdom through ordinary, faithful people. Their blood, sweat, and tears are the seeds of the global church. The gospel is spreading across the world, saving sinners, renewing nations, and changing everything. But today, many in the modern church are weak, torn, comfortable. The book of Hebrews says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses watching us from heaven, spurring us on. The stories of these faithful Christ followers who've gone before us are what we need to wake up and return to our first love for Christ's mission. Let's learn from them. On this week's episode of Cloud of Witnesses, we learn about the life and ministry of ABWE missionaries Steve and Sandy Aholt, who served in Papua New Guinea for 24 years in missionary aviation. Hi, my name is Steve Aholt, and my wife Sandy and our two children, Stephanie and Tyler, went to Papua New Guinea and served there from 1995 until our retirement in 2019. We served with ABWE. We worked in missionary aviation the whole time and supplied our missionaries with transportation and carried cargo to them, uh, servicing them in the remote areas of the country. For Steve, the seed of a career in missions was planted through years of exposure to missionaries who would visit his home church. However, even with that seed planted, Steve still needed God's persistent and patient leading for him to take the first step of following the words of Isaiah 6, 8, where it says, Here I am, Lord, send me. I left the Catholic Church in 1975 and began attending a Baptist church where I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. Through that time, our church had many missionaries visiting the church, and I listened attentively as each one presented their work. Uh, one missionary in particular was from Papua New Guinea, and he presented his ministry there, and he says, I'm getting older, and he says, I need some young people just like you. And he pointed to me, and I thought, me, a missionary. But the Lord used that to keep bringing back to me, why not you? And I kept making excuses, but God, I'm active in the church here. I'm doing different work as a deacon and a trustee, and I'm working in the youth ministry. I'm working in visitation. But God used that and kept saying, and why not you? So finally, I decided, Lord, I'm willing to be a missionary if that's what you want me to do. So then another missionary came along, and he presented missionary aviation. And as I had worked in aviation prior to in my life, I worked as an aviation mechanic. And 
as I thought about the work with aviation, I thought I can use my former aviation experience to serve the Lord on the mission field in Papua New Guinea. So then as we thought through that even further, we thought, well, we need to get some education, which led us to Piedmont Bible College at the time where I graduated. And then we chose the field uh, of Papua New Guinea. And the reason we chose ABWE as our mission was they were family oriented. They wanted to keep the family unit together on the mission field as, as much as they could. And that was really suitable for, for our family. With a plan in place to serve in mission aviation in Papua New Guinea, Steve and Sandy faced several tests of faith as they prepared to depart for the field. So we graduated uh, with the class of 1990, and we went with ABWE's candidate class of 1990. And we finally arrived at the mission field after raising all the support and everything that we needed. And we had, uh, prior to this, we had saved up $35,000 that we were gonna use toward buying an airplane to use on the mission field after we graduated from school. Well, during this time, we found out that that money was in a thing and we lost it all, never saw a penny of it again. But God was teaching us not to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in Him alone. And it was, it was difficult, but He was testing the genuineness of our faith in him rather than in us. And so we left in uh, February of 1995 and went to the country of Papua New Guinea. And as we were uh, arrived in Papua New Guinea, prior to this, we had uh, disassembled and packed an airplane in a 40-foot container and shipped it by sea to arrive, hopefully we thought just after our arrival in Papua New Guinea. Well, we arrived and we began to, uh, we just had our suitcases. And so we, thankfully all the suitcases arrived because we were gonna be living out of those for the next two months. And we tried to track down the container and nobody knew it was lost at sea somewhere. Nobody knew where the container was and we could not figure it out. And finally, they said that the, they had located the container and it was going to arrive. And this was like for two months later. And we could not understand what God was doing through that, but we trusted him. And we found out after the fact that when our container arrived, we went down to get it at the wharf and they allowed our container to come in customs and duty free. Didn't cost us a cent to come into the country. They had passed a law during that time in the country of Papua New Guinea that any aircraft or aircraft parts coming into the country could come in customs duty free. So God was in control. He knew exactly what he was doing and saved us tens of thousands of dollars in the process. So even when we don't understand, we need to remember that God's in control and He is 
He's the operator of all the circumstances that we go through. So we got the airplane finally up to Goroka and we pulled the airplane out of the container and we had the rest of our goods packed in the back of the container. So Sandy and the kids were glad to be able to finally get all their personal effects and start actually setting up house there in New Guinea. And for the next two months, we were just working steadily, putting the aircraft all back together. And to make a long story short, everything went great. And God worked out in a miraculous way that everything went so well. Oftentimes, the sovereignty of God is a mysterious thing for believers. We trust his plans, knowing that we may not see the intricacies of how our lives are intertwined and how our prayers are answered, but sometimes we do catch a small glimpse of our faithful God who hears the prayers of his children. The first flight that we made, we flew over to the area of Bundi, which was one of the uh, closest airstrips to Goroka, where we would be based. And our administrator and his assistant and I went on a flight that morning and September 24th, I remember the day. While they were doing practice takeoff and landings at that mountain airstrip, I said, hey, let me out. I'm going to practice my pigeon language that I'd been learning. So I got out and this lady came walking up to me and said, who are you and why are you here? And I says, well, my name is Steve Aholt and I'm a Baptist missionary and I'm here to see if you guys want a Baptist church in this village. And she was on crutches and she began to weep. And her weeping, I says, why are you weeping? And she says, I've been praying for 17 years that God would send a Baptist missionary to our village to start a Baptist church. And you're an answer to my prayer. And I counted back 17 years was that time when I was saying yes to God, that I was willing to be a missionary. So it was, it's amazing the way God works. But you know, when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, be ready to say yes and be willing to go if he wants you to go. And because if he sends you and calls you somewhere, he's going to provide for everything that you have need of. We now hear from Sandy Aholt, who shares the importance of having their family together while serving in Papua New Guinea and how their children were involved in their ministry. One thing that was very important to us is our children. And we were so thankful they could be with us. Our daughter was 16. She just got her driver's license in America right before we left, like a week or two before we left to go to Papua New Guinea and serve in, our son was 13, almost 14. So they, they left America in February, you know, out of school, middle of the a year of high school and went to start school there. And we we're very thankful they were able to transition to right into the school. I thought it might be a little too quick, but it helped them to be able to go right from America to a school, mission school. They were able to um, speak English and be going to school with other 
MKs that were doing some of the very same thing they'd be doing. They helped us with Boondi too, and they, when we did start flying in, they helped, Tyler led the songs, and Stephanie helped me with teaching the children. So they did have to learn, the, they did need to learn some of the language also, even though it wasn't being taught in their school, they did it on their own, but they were young so they could learn faster. One of the things that helped them to prepare as we went to Papua New Guinea was we were always involved with doing something together in America. And some of it was during our time when we'd present what we were gonna do in Papua New Guinea to the churches. But we, while we were in Bible school, we did um, teach and help at a new church, inner city church, that they learned a lot of things there. And we all did in that some children just need love and someone to show that they care and that that's why you want them to know God too, that how much he loves them. So that helped them too. As a missionary pilot, the primary function of your role is to aid in providing transportation, supplies, resources, and food to partners throughout the country or region where you serve. But the role is so much more than that. It's seeing the opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ to those who don't know him and to shine a light in the darkness. I had another flight going to Simbai one morning had loaded up a full load of cargo that was going in. And they called that morning and said, we're glad we scheduled today because there's an emergency and we've got a case that needs to go back to the hospital in Garoka. So as I took off kind of late that day because I was waiting for the weather to clear and it cleared enough that I could get across, get across the mountain range and in flying, you always leave your back door open so you can turn around and get back home if the weather shuts down. So it was it was clear behind. So I kept going and kept praying as I went and got right up to the second mountain range that I needed to cross. And it was completely solid white clouds on all three sides of me. And I began to circle and pray and ask God, you know, they need this ministry supplies at Simbai, and they've got that sick person there that needs to come back to Garoka. I says, you're going to have to do something with these clouds. And as I rolled back out on my course that I needed to go to Simbai, and I was setting my DG with my compass to make sure I was on course, I looked and it was like God parting the Red Sea. There was just a corridor in the clouds opened like that. And I flew up to the edge of it and looked and I could see across. So I just flew through and it was good weather on the other side, made the trip to Simbai and uh, was able to get the man back to Garoka to the hospital. And as Paul Harvey said, and now for the rest of the story, we took the man to the hospital and we didn't know him, hadn't seen him before. But in the hospital, they provide the bed, you provide everything else. So we provided things for him, to plates and everything, bedding, food, all those things that they, he needed at the hospital. And we nursed him back to health. And he said, I don't understand why you're doing this because you don't even know me. And I says, well, this is something that we believe Jesus would do. 
and He gave us the example to follow. So we're following His example. And that's why we're doing it, to be an example of what Jesus would do to you. And we shared the gospel with Him, and He trusted Christ as His personal Savior and was able to go back home to Simbi, a new person in Christ. We pray and God provides exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to His riches in Christ Jesus. We know as Christians that when we boldly share the gospel, we can often expect persecution. And we know that when serving overseas, the risk can be especially acute, but sometimes the danger comes anyway and in unexpected ways. Steve and I had, were just coming back on a, from a flight to Bundy and we were, it had been a long day. We had um, been there for um, a literacy class, I think an outreach. It wasn't on a Sunday. It was an afternoon and, and when we got back, the plane was very muddy and so uh, just dirty and it, it, we'd have to, usually Steve would have someone that would help him clean the plane for him and get, the, get it ready for the, before um, leaving that day. But it seemed like there was no one available and we were really warm and we thought, that sounds really good to just have the hose out. Maybe we can just kind of cool off ourselves. So our son was at home that day. And so I said, why don't I go get Tyler? Having a, a, a son, you know, he was a senior in high school. Let's get him included with this. He's busy. So it wasn't that far from the airport. So I went on my way home to pick him up. Well, on my way home, there's a short road that's kind of like, we called it the Riverbed Road. It was our own name, but it was very rough that was uh, off the main road to our house. And as I was driving that day, I saw three men uh, walking along the road, you know, on each side. And people would wash cars along, just past that area off to the left. And so, you know, I figured they were walking back or walked to the village. But as I was walking, uh, driving, excuse me, and uh, had to practically stop because of the holes in the road, they turned around and had a gun pointed at me, one of them, and the other two, it's like one was in front and the two, other two were on the side. But I left out one thing that I didn't tell you. Before I pulled into that road, I think it was right after I left the airport to go home that day, I had slid our windows uh, open, just a couple windows, like one next to me at least, behind me, uh, open because it was so hot that day. And so I had my windows down. We don't have, didn't have air conditioning. So, you know, I'm just going home to get my son and go back to the airport. So when I saw that coming, them doing this to me, I reached back like this to pull my window shut, you know, real quick. And because it was behind me, see the driver's, the steering wheel was on this side. Well, when I did that, the one man grabbed my arm. Well, I thought, you know what? You could, it's amazing how we can pray so fast. But, you know, I was, I remember thinking, God, I am in trouble. <laughs> what, what do I do now? And I just remember thinking, this is hurting, and this gun is pointing to me, and I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't give up. It was all so quick. I don't remember everything, but I do know that um, his word is powerful. And I know that um, at the time, the verse that came to my mind was Psalm 34, 7, and that's the angel of the, not that I could quote it, but as I, I was going through this incident, but what ended up happening, I'll, I'll finish the story before I quote the verse, but as I was thinking that verse, the man, it's like he let go of my arm and they just moved away in fear. I mean, I didn't do anything. All I could do was say, no God, no God. It means no, no, no. Uh, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And that was the verse that came to me. Not that that is a, exactly appropriate for that, but it, that's what I thought of. And it's Psalm 34, 7. And 
And I know, I don't know what they saw, but they were afraid. And I also was shaking like everything too, but I knew that, that and it killed the engine because he pulled my arm back and it pulled me away from the, my foot off the clutch. So I had to get the, <laughs> get the car started. And I remember getting out of there, just going as fast as I could to get home. You know, I got home safe and didn't go back to the airport that day. <laughs> but you know what? But I was able to go home safe. And God's word to me is more powerful than, than anything we can do. And that was just a reminder to me that he was there. And I had previously years ago, when we were in the States at a women's meeting, had heard a pastor's wife telling a story very similar to what happened to her and her girls, um, someone coming into their home. And, and they, were, they were afraid they were gonna be hurt and they start quoting scripture. And that even flashed, and it's amazing the things that can go through your mind really quick, but that's what happened too, is I thought, God's word. And I just felt like that was one thing that he had to teach me again. That, you know, you're, you're at the right place. I'm gonna take care of you. Just be careful, and boy, did I do things differently. And I had all kinds of people tell me, why did you run over him? <laughs> you know, that's not, the, that's not the way we think, and especially a woman. I'm not saying that men would, but you don't think of wanting to hurt someone. But God showed me that he was in control. For every parent, one of the greatest fears is something happening to their child. As the Aholtz children became adults, they each moved back to the United States. And for Steve and Sandy, this fear became a reality. With the tragedy also came a demonstration of their genuine faith in the Lord and their commitment to his calling. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8, there's a verse that says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I was working at the airport one day, and this was before we had cell phones, and we had two-way radios that we used, and my wife, Sandy, called me on the radio and said, someone from the home office called, and they say that they want to talk to you and me together, and they're going to call back at 1230. I says, okay, I'll, I'll be there. So I went home, and we were discussing, I thought maybe we had lost support from one of our churches or something. Why would the director of finance be calling us here in the country. And so the phone rang and I answered, and this time it was my brother, Bob, and he lives in Colorado Springs. And he said, I've got some bad news. And my father had been sick and in the hospital, and I thought maybe he took a turn for the worse. I said, is it dad? And he said, no. It's Tyler. Tyler's our son. Uh, he was 25 years old and he was killed in an accident. But the Lord gave me peace right away because of that verse, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I knew that he knew Christ as his personal savior and that I no longer had to worry about him or pray for him anymore because he was safe with Jesus in heaven. So situations like that, we need to remember that the Bible is true. And when the rubber hits the road or the egg hits the fan, we need to remember 
that His Word is true and He's faithful and will give us the strength we need to get through situations like that. And situations that happen don't change God's calling on our life. We came back after the funeral and people couldn't believe that we had come back. And we said, this is where our work is. This is what God's called us to do. And had a very fruitful ministry uh, after that also, serving the Lord there. Steve was working on the plane and I was different things helping and I was at home one day and I heard a phone call and you know that phone call came and told us that our son had been killed in an accident in America. Well of course my mind's thinking we got to get ready and we got to go. We got to go home. But you know another thing that came to my mind is I don't want to be angry with God. And so I kept asking everyone, please pray. That kept me strong, even getting ready to leave. In four hours there, we were able to get in a plane and head back to America. But that people, please pray. I don't want to be angry because God has allowed this in my, our son's life. I'm not saying he made it. He allowed this to happen. It was Tyler's time. His time was finished on earth. We knew where he was, but we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We had a lot ahead of us. When we lose a son or a daughter or any family member, we never forget them. They're always in our memory. And when we think about our loss, the tears come. But when we think of heaven's gain, joy comes. And there are times where we have occasions, his birthdays and different types of um, things that we miss him. But we need to remember there's joy comes in the morning and we have joy through Jesus Christ because his word is true. After serving in Papua New Guinea for over two decades, it became clear to the Aholtz that it was now time to leave the field, but not before seeing God's hand at work one more time. Okay, there's a scripture verse, Ephesians 4 and verse 1 says that we are to walk worthy of the calling wherewith we were called. We went to the mission field anticipating more help to come to help us in the aviation ministry. The first family came, stayed for one term, and they had some difficulties in their family and could not return to the field. So now we're saying, okay, God, we still need families over here. Well, the second family came and they stayed just for a short period of time. Um, we had hoped they would stay. In fact, the family that came, they stayed for just almost one year. The mission encouraged them to stay through the first year because that's when it's the hardest during that first year with the language learning, learning the new culture, communicating with the people, getting the family adjusted to the new culture. But the family decided it was too hard and less 10 months into it, they decided they were gonna go back home. So I said, okay, Lord, we still need more people. So he sent another family and that family lasted just a short time, just two years and 
they decided it was too tough for their family also, and they left. So it got to the point we were ready to go on furlough, and I told our ABW administration that if they wanted to continue the aviation program, that we needed to have some people in the pipeline that were coming that direction, because when we went back to the field after our furlough, if we did not have any people, I would not be starting the program back up. So we went, came back on furlough. There was no one, no one there to continue the program. I was able to make arrangements for our missionaries to fly with two other organizations that fly out of Garoka right there and service their airstrips where they live. And it wasn't as convenient on their schedule, but it was less price and it was good service that they could have right there. So in order to continue the program, we needed personnel. The personnel weren't there. So the decision was made that we would stop the program and sell the airplane. I'd never sold an airplane. I'd only sold a car before. So I'm going, Lord, how are we gonna sell an airplane? They talked about disassembling the airplane again and packing it in a container and shipping it back to America. But the cost and the time and everything to do that, I says, how about we try to sell it here? So they said, okay, here's the price. So I contacted, I was, Sandy and I were praying one morning and we were getting ready to go to town. I had something I needed to do. So I was driving into town and I saw a pastor, his name was Pastor Frank, and he threw away his hand like he wanted to talk. So I pulled over and I asked him how he was doing. And, and he says, I'm working up at this private school. They have, he was a graduate of our Bible college and they asked him to come and teach some Bible lessons in the public school. So he was doing that. And he said, they asked me if I knew anybody that was selling an airplane. <laughs> and I says, we were just praying about that this morning. We we're gonna sell our airplane. Well, to make a long story short, two weeks later, there was $150,000 in the bank and um, they took possession of the airplane. So don't ever underestimate what God can do. Steve and Sandy's stories remind us to always be looking for how God is working. Sometimes he's working in very obvious ways, other times in not so obvious ways. But every time we see God at work, it's an opportunity to glorify his name, to give him the praise that he deserves for his sovereignty and for his good and perfect will for our lives. Meanwhile, the ministry in Papua New Guinea carries on. The Garoka Project is ABWE's new initiative to bring new life to a lost country. This remote and rugged land, home to over 800 language groups steeped in idolatry, is in great gospel need. But for 50 years, Garoka Baptist Bible College has been training a new generation of leaders. And on their campus as well, the Saigu Medical Clinic offers new life to those who are vulnerable, including the unborn, through both medical care and the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, your help is needed to complete the Garoka Project, which will vastly expand the college's facilities to accommodate more students and replace the clinic building. With a goal of $6.7 million, but much already given, 
we can, by God's grace, bring hope and renewal through the gospel to Papua New Guinea as we train leaders for the national church. To join us in this mission, go to abwe.org slash Garoka Project. Garoka is G-O-R-O-K-A. Again, abwe.org slash Garoka Project, or click the link in the show notes. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. I'm your host, Alex Kochman. Our production director is Grant Boring. Our researcher and interviewer is Jay York. Production support is provided by Tito Estevez. Additional voiceovers by Jason Younger. Get equipped to make disciples and learn more about how you can reach the nations at abwe.org. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. ABWE is a global family of ministries reaching more than 80 countries by sharing Christ, planting churches, and training Christian leaders. After nearly 100 years, ABWE is continuing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You can help us advance the kingdom for the next 100 years and beyond by supporting the mission through the Global Gospel Fund. Learn more at abwe.org forward slash cloud.